So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello Man fans, Ollie Man here with The Modern Man and hello to Kian who tweeted us at The Modern Man to share that he recently suffered the indignity of listening loudly on his kitchen speaker to Alex discussing nipple clamps at the very moment that the delivery man arrived. Orcs. Uh, also, similarly, hello to Ben in the French Alps who works in a pizza kitchen out there and says when the rest of the bar staff pop in to say hi, it's always inevitably when he's listening to the foxhole, guaranteeing weird looks all round. Uh, well, <laughs> I have excellent news for all you listeners who consume us via speaker rather than headphones, and that is that Giles from Northampton's Alexa skill has been activated. It's been authorised. It exists. So um, now, if you've got an Echo speaker or an Echo Dot or any gadget with Alexa built in, you can now go for free to your Alexa app, add the modern man as a skill. Uh, I've put a link on our website, modernmanwith2ends.co.uk. And then once it's installed, which takes seconds, I've tried it, uh, all you need to ever say is, Alexa, ask the modern man to play the latest podcast. That's it. Uh, And then it'll play our show, Uh, not Old Men on a Mountain podcast or The Muffin Man. Uh, And you can also ask for a specific episode, like you can ask The Modern Man to play Season 4, Episode 2, or whatever it is. So um, it is really great. Thank you so much, Giles, for developing that for us for free in your spare time. Um, You see, sometimes us enduring Ollie Peart's lack of effort in the zeitgeist does eventually translate into something beneficial for mankind. Um, Right, today's show is about drumming and touring and panties. Uh, It is a light concoction this week. I'm not going to shield you from that. We are a magazine show. It's all about light and shade. We've had some heavy topics recently, and uh, my ambition for today's show is simply that you will be entertained throughout, and I I think you will. Uh, On today's show, you will learn what happens when you call an alien sex chat line. You'll learn what Keith Richards eats every night on tour and you'll learn just how much you might spend getting someone to hit you in the face repeatedly let's go on this week's modern man why do bands break up why do people go slightly insane on the road it's because it's such an intense bubble thou shalt not feed the masses go walk about or be unlaminated ten commandments of touring panties thongs And Alex Fox gets her knickers in a twist in this week's Foxhole. But first, live from the A4 dual carriageway outside Europe's largest Tesco in Slough, 
It's the Zeitgeist. All the trends you need to know about with a man whose face is on the motherfucking billboard right next to us. It's Ollie Pierce. This is literally the highlight of my career. It's so exciting. Europe's largest Tesco. Europe's largest, happiest face. Europe's largest bearded strawberry blonde man. I look amazing. Okay, so the pictures are now on our Twitter profile, twitter.com slash themodernman. Uh, I'll put them on facebook.com slash ollieman as well. But in the end, you didn't go for the see you next Tuesday caption. It's just your face. No, I felt like calling everybody in slower was a bad thing to do. Instead, I offered them my face as a gift. And look at them. Listen to that noise. There's cars driving up and down. They've all just stopped all of a sudden. Caused a pile-up of people that are so excited to see your face. Each one of those cars, Ollie, are valuable eyeballs. The post has been on rotation, so uh, visitors who have been to the Tesco in Slough earlier today would have seen ads for uh, Buzz Jim Elephant Atta, which I think is rice. So in between the adverts for Elephant Atta and Buzz Jim and around the Boundary, which is a music festival that's happening here in Slough, uh, there have been intermittent images of just Ollie's face with no explanation whatsoever. Yeah, and I think that's how all ads should be, just unexplained images of stuff. It's, I think people were confused, genuinely. Um, you know, I saw a few people looking up at it as if to say, yeah, but what's it selling? It's not anything, is it? It's just something nice for people to look at. It's bright, it's colourful, I'm wearing my best bow tie. You can't argue with that. The woman in Krispy Kremes was really impressed. She, she had to double take. She did that cartoon thing where you go, whoa! But right now, um, because we said that we'd be recording at this time, the lady from the, the advert company has left your face on for us for 10 minutes whilst we record. Kate from Mass Media, she, she sorted it out. And I have to give them a shout-out because they gave me a bit of a discount, didn't they? It's a bit weird recording the zeitgeist with a massive billboard of you leering over us. It's a little 1984. All it makes me realise is that I need a haircut. Well, congratulations, Ollie, on successfully completing a challenge. So, uh, what are your trends for the week? Face gym. So, face gym is quite literally a gym for your face. Uh, The website facegym.com says, It's not a facial, it's a workout. We use high-energy kneading movements and cutting-edge technology to tone and tighten the forgotten... 40 muscles in your face. They have three gyms at the moment. So it's a physical building you go to? Uh, no, it's a physical uh, concession you'll go to. Okay, so it's sort of like an upmarket version of those shoulder massages you can get in Westfield. Very upmarket, yeah. but they don't say that it's some kind of um, beauty treatment. They do call it a workout. And I was trying to figure it out. When I first saw it, I thought, is it sort of moving your jaw from side to side, like drawing uh, that or like doing this with your eyebrows? It's not. You use your hands. It's a shame because you looked amazing when you were doing that. I didn't look good. If only you could be on a billboard doing that. It's my sex face. But I looked online and they do have a DIY video for you to try. And I thought we could maybe try one or two of them. So I've got the video here. This is the bit that most interests me. This is called the whip. Oh, look at that. You're basically doing this. I'm quite enjoying watching the video. It's a woman slapping herself in the face repeatedly. But in a light way. Well, no, you're not slapping, you see, apparently. You're sort of increasing the blood flow to your face mm-hmm. and it's cardio for your face mm. but the idea was conceived by Inga Theron who um, had a facelift once and it was a bodge facelift and oh, she wow. was basically in bed for a few days as in you know as a result of, of an injury after that and she thought there's got to be a better way how can I deliver a, a facelift without using, you know, invasive surgery or anything like that. So how did she come up with the idea of repeatedly slapping herself in the face? Well, it kind of looks like you're lifting your face up, doesn't it? So you can actually go along and pay to have the treatment done to yourself. So they range from 45 quid to £390. No. Yeah. What do they claim are the benefits of having a facial workout then? Well, the idea is that it makes you look younger and your face more sculpted. So they call it sculpting of your face. But the more you use your muscles, generally, don't you look older? 
like you look more worn, don't you? Like people who've never done a hard day's labour in their life, like me. Look at my hands; they're beautiful. Don't uh, need someone to pinch me. You can tone muscles, though, can't you? Like uh, you know, people spend a lot of time in their gym toning their muscles. It's a tonal thing. It's about shaping your face. When they call it a workout, it's clearly an aesthetic thing. It's, it's like, about they... harder cheekbones, firmer lines. It's about having a sculpted face, a shaped face that's perfect for. You know, having your photo taken. For, perfect for one billboard outside Slough. Yeah. Uh, what are your other trends for us this week? Data. This has been in the news quite a lot, I feel. It's been in the news an awful lot because of recent stories. The other week, uh, the gay dating app Grinder was accused of sharing, and were sharing, uh, users' HIV status. And that got me thinking, if they have that level of information on people that use Grinder, what kind of information have social networks and other services I use got on me? Mm. Because I've noticed a lot of uh, journalists have been doing a lot of self-data mining and Mm. looking at their data. So I thought I would do it for myself and see who's been sold my data and what they're doing with it and what they have, more importantly. Right. So I started with Facebook. You can go onto Facebook and you can really easily download your entire backlog of Facebook posts, essentially. Yeah, I've heard a few computer experts say that on the radio whenever I've heard people discussing Cambridge Analytica over the past few weeks. But how? So you go on the settings, yeah. and there is an option there for you to download all of your data. So what it will do is it will ask you to enter your Facebook password, mm-hmm. and then you wait something like 20 minutes, half an hour, and you'll get an email from Facebook with a link. You click on the link, you enter your password again, and it will start a download. My download was around 250 megabytes. I thought it would be way bigger than that. My entire digital life, pretty much, is only 250 megabytes. What is it, but it's not all your photos and stuff, is it? It is every single oh, I photo. I thought it was just a list of what they can sell advertising. It's not just every single photo that I've ever posted on Facebook, or video, or post. It is information about literally everything. Every time I've ever logged on to Facebook and the IP address that I logged on to it, my contact lists, including their phone numbers and their emails. And now, since I got my new phone, it's monitoring my phone calls and my SMS messages. It's because got, the app's running in the background. Because the, the app's running in the background the whole time. And, it, and that's the default, is it? You've never adjusted your settings. No, I haven't touched anything so on my privacy settings. So that's what most people listening to this, if you're on Facebook, that's what's available. But to who? Because Facebook say, don't they, that they're not in the business of selling that data anymore, that level of deep data. Here's a list of companies that have access to my contact information and my other information on Facebook. Oh, wow, okay. And uh, this is from your personal thing? It's my from personal so thing. So you know who you've been targeted by? Yeah. Love it. Bucks. Bucks. Remember Bucks? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That weird app that you were... Yeah, well, you were actually addicted to Bucks. I think that's good that they yeah, managed they've to find got out all my that data, you're a potential yeah. customer. Yeah. Airbnb, yeah. Spotify, Uber oh. Eats, Deliveroo, The Skim, eBay.de. What's eBay, The Skim? It's basically a calendar of everything that's happening throughout the entire year across the whole world. Okay. eBay.de, eBay Canada, Fiverr, Shutterstock, Pediasure US, Airbnb with Pedo some... Sure. Pedia Sure. I What's was a bit that? worried about that one too. <laughs> what is it? It's uh, it's actually like a protein shake thing. Oh, okay. God knows why that's on there. Airbnb Japan. Jesus, they love you at Airbnb, don't they? They do. I wonder Uber. what it is about you that they've they've realised they've honed in on. <laughs> Uber and Deliveroo in Japanese as well. You've never been to Japan. Why would Deliveroo Japan be targeting you, I wonder? I don't know. Maybe they want to deliver me some sushi. And we've got to that point in the zeitgeist where I would typically ask you to report back on how your challenge from last week has been progressing. Uh, you were tasked by man fan Alfie in Chicago to try out all the recipe boxes on the market and report back on which is the best one. But to be fair, we did set you this challenge over Easter weekend. Yeah, it was, it was Easter weekend, so I can get a box ordered to my house. So... Actually, 
have you been able to get any of the boxes yet to try them out? None of them have arrived yet. Right, okay. How many have you ordered? I've got three on the way. Uh-huh. I've got one coming from We Are Born and Bred, who are based up in Yorkshire. Okay. I've got one coming from HelloFresh. Yeah. As you know, I've already tried them, but they're yeah. still sending me another box. And i got one coming from Gusto. Okay, so when are those boxes arriving? One on Monday, one on Tuesday, one on Wednesday. Literally, my front door is going to look ridiculous. Once you've established with your neighbours that you're not running a farm shop, mm-hmm. then when we record next week on next week's show, we'll find out how you went with that challenge. But it's a lot of cooking in a short space of time. Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was maybe unreasonable to set you that as a weekly challenge, although apparently it was achievable to get your face on this billboard in Slough in a week. Hey. And you've overwhelmed me. I'm actually excited to be speaking to you and looking at your face on the billboard at the same time. You should feel privileged. I do. Good. Righto, I'm going to wrap up there, Ollie, because, um, well, I'm in Slough. I mean, how often does a man find himself on the A4? I've got a whole afternoon to kill in the sun. What should I do? You said you were a local boy. Yeah, well, if I was in Slough, which I am, I would hop on the train to Windsor <laughs> and I would uh, get myself some nice food in the station there. There's loads of great places you can eat. Okay, can but it, what if I actually want to explore Slough? Well, I can show you. If you go around the corner, mm. that's where the Brunel bus station was that featured in the opening sequence of the office oh wow okay yeah it's not there anymore it's not there anymore <laughs> no it's a nice big shiny building but you know so the thing that Slough was most famous for recently being yeah. in the opening credits of arguably the most popular TV comedy of the last 20 years yeah no discredit to Slough but it was a shithole yeah so I'm glad it's gone so you can't even have they got, I wonder if they've got anything up where it used to be the only thing that I could tell you about from the opening credits of The Office is a weird jazzy concrete wall on the side of an office building that yeah. was also in the opening sequence. I know where that is. Great. Wow. Am I going to have a great afternoon? Let's go do it. Hi, Man fans. I'm Domi, and I work as media and PR officer at the Vegan Society. Here are my life hacks on how to go and stay vegan. Tip number one, make sure you do it right. Some people go vegan overnight, for others it's a journey comprising a number of steps. If you slip up, don't worry, just keep going. There is support at every corner, not least from the vegan society. Having that support and encouragement really helps to ease into vegan living. There are vegan alternatives to pretty much everything now, allowing you to veganize your old favorite dishes with ease. The second tip is keep learning. Even as a vegan, I keep discovering new things about the vegan movement. But that also means uncovering some upsetting ways in which humans use animals. To live as a vegan in a non-vegan world takes both courage and curiosity. There are vegan versions of almost every type of junk food you can think of. Treat your taste buds to new foods and new flavors. Since becoming vegan, I've learned to appreciate food like never before. Instead of focusing on the stuff you're eliminating from your diet, focus on all the exciting, delicious vegan products your diet will now consist of. Tip 3. Get involved in the vegan community. At the beginning, it may feel like you're the only vegan in the world, but believe me, there are millions of us out there. Make sure you have fun eating out. If you ever have a weak moment, there are constant reminders around us as to why we're vegan, such as adverts featuring meat, dairy and eggs. Look at them and see those products for what they really are, the beautiful sentient animals they once were, to remind yourself who you're vegan for. Those were my tips for going and staying vegan. If you would like more tips, visit vegansociety.com and follow our social media channels. We are always happy to help, so ask away if you have any questions about veganism. Now, being in a band. 
on tour. It's the stuff rock and roll dreams are made of. But it's been quite a few decades now since anyone gave access all areas to groupies or threw a telly out of a hotel window. The modern world tour is a corporate affair, typically sponsored by a credit card brand or a car company, which goes on for months or even years. It's a huge enterprise. In fact, it's really where the money is made in music these days. I wanted to find out what life on the road in 2018 is really like, so I turned to drummer Tom Meadows. You don't know his name, but you'll have often seen him bashing his drums in the background on Later with Jules Holland or Saturday Night Telly. I I would have called him a session musician, but he told me he doesn't like being called that. In the 60s and 70s, if you were a session musician, it's because you played sessions. You went into the studio and you did 10 till 1, 2 till 5, 6 till 9. Right, I didn't actually know that. And those were the sessions. And there are very few places around the world now where that kind of thing exists, Nashville being the most obvious place. Mm. But even that is starting to catch up with the modern way of doing things. Being a freelance musician to me is more about simply not being attached to a particular band, getting a split of record sales and merchandising and ticket sales. As a freelance drummer, if that's what we're going to call him, Tom's worked with Girls Aloud, Duffy, Will Young and Leona Lewis. And for the past nine years, on and off, he's been on tour with Kylie Minogue. I wanted to get his thoughts on a document that recently caught my eye, The Ten Commandments of Touring. It was in the Pink Floyd exhibition that was recently at the V&A, and it's the ten guidelines by which to live your life on tour, compiled in the 1970s by Pink Floyd's tour manager. I wondered how much of it Tom thought was still relevant today. Uh, By the way, you can see the full document on our website if you want to read along with us. The first commandment says, Thou shalt not be tardy. Don't make the many. Wait for the few. Another way of putting it is if you're on time, you're already late. If your lobby call is 2.30 and you all arrive at 2.30, you're not leaving the hotel till 2.45. Yeah. So you're already late. Give us a sense of how large these touring groups are. When you're on tour with Kylie, how many are you when you're decamping from the Holiday Inn to your tour bus? Band and crew. So crew being literally everybody from my backline tech to the head carpenter. Uh, it can be 150, 200 people. Head carpenter. Yeah. Now that's necessary because you are erecting and then dismantling the set right. in every location. Exactly. And sometimes things go wrong. Thou shalt not be unlaminated. Uh-huh. Right, so a laminate is basically a pass. I always have my pass at all times. But this is an in- an interesting one because one of the other rules of the road is never wear your pass outside of the venue. Why? Because that is just asking for a fine, right? So, you know, you have tour fines. Um, so Are you? Yeah. From Ab- who? Absolutely. From members of the band, right? If okay. Someone, if someone it's a bit walks, of fun. If someone you don't get your pay docked. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, well, they should do. If someone walks out of the venue yeah. with their pass on, 
Why are they doing that? Now, they may, maybe they've absentmindedly left their pass on. Or maybe it's the fact that they want everybody to know mm. that they've just been on stage. And what's wrong with that? That is just They have out- just been on stage. <laughs> Listen, I have been very lucky to have played the O2 in London many times. Mm-hmm. People are staring at the stage that I'm on yeah. for two, two and a half hours. I'm not front and centre, but I have a big beard and I have glasses and I have red hair. I get pretty much within 10, 15 minutes from the venue to the tube. And I'm with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that have been at that same thing. And literally nobody gives me a second glance. You've never been recognised. Never been recognised. That's extraordinary, isn't it? The only way that anybody would give me a second glance is if I had my laminate on. So the fine thing, that is a well-established principle of touring bands. It's either... Who gets to control the fines? <laughs> Whoever discovered the culprit. Another one, for example, chairs are for people, not for bags. If you walk into a dressing room mm-hmm. and there's bags on chairs, whoever is responsible for that bag pays a fine. Wow, okay. Without there's a shadow a, of a doubt. This is a little bit intimidating. <laughs> if I just joined the band, <laughs> well, it's a bit of a sort of schoolboy. <laughs> but you know what? Touring is a very odd microcosm of life. Things that you would not think twice about if you got to go home at night begin to really irritate you. Why do bands break up? Why do people go slightly insane on on the road? It's because it's such an intense bubble Mm. of life. Um, The way somebody coughs can actually drive (laughs) you to distraction. But if you got to go on on the tube, go back home, see your family or whatever it is, Mm. you know, and just have some distance... You wouldn't ever think about that. Walking into a dressing room four nights on the bounce to find there's no seats available because people have put bags on there would actually kill you. So <laughs> the little thing of, you know, don't put your bag on or, I'll, or you're buying the band a drink sort of just stops those ridiculous, you know, irritations flaring up. Okay, another Pink Floyd rule from the 70s, thou shalt not feed the masses. And this is a rule about making sure that people don't bring their friends and family into yeah, the catering. absolutely. Still relevant. Yeah, 100%. You've because got a wife? What I, happens I do. when she comes backstage? Yeah. She's not allowed a sandwich. Uh, <laughs> the thing is... Seriously? I love caterers. They are the hardest working. They're, they're the first in and they're the last out. And they basically make the tour roll. That old adage of an army marches on its stomach exactly the same thing for a tour i've done tours where maybe there's 30 people right up to kylie you know 200 plus but the stones or paul mccartney they have hundreds and hundreds of people in their crew both local and touring the catering budget is is worked out really precisely to feed the exact amount of people that should be fed. So your answer is yes. Your wife can't have a sandwich, and that's the right. That's the right rule. <laughs> that's, I have no problem with that okay. at, at all, and neither does she. Uh, <laughs> what is the best thing to eat before you go on stage? Because I, I can imagine, like in a rock and roll way, <laughs> yeah. people used to be all sort of pizza and burgers. If you're travelling around the world, you want to have salad every night, don't you? Well, I mean, no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> well, okay, you want you want something based on well, fruit, vegetables, fish, meat. Yes, I always try and eat two hours before I play because okay. whatever I eat. Uh, it just will feel horrible if I'm just sort of playing with a with a with a full stomach. Keith Richards every night has a shepherd's pie, right? Um, and I think when you're away from home, things that are really homely, mm-hmm. when you see things like that, you think, yeah, fantastic. And what about drink? I mean, especially in rock and roll, 
people imagine there's alcohol flowing around and, and is, other yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. The other things I think is a bit of a in 2018. It's around, but I certainly don't see it on any of the tours that that I'm on. I mean, various pop and rock stars have talked about being on drugs regularly. Yeah, yeah but I haven't worked with those people, and also. I don't, I don't know whether you're sort of drawn and therefore hired by a certain type, but I don't fall into that to that category. Would you have a beer before you we went on stage, though? Yeah, absolutely. But I presume a few gives you courage, too many makes you sloppy. If I was having a beer before I went on, on stage, which I have done, it would be a beer. Stage time is two, two and a half hours. There's another, you know, <laughs> 21 and a half hours of the day uh, to do with what you want. Um but, you know, most bands that I'm in the, these days, you know, you're, you're more likely to find the band in, in the gym than the bar. Thou shalt not go walkabout. If any member of the band party needs to leave the main body of the group at any time, day or night, he or she must ensure that management knows and is furnished with contact numbers if available. I suppose that's less relevant these days. This is the thing, you know, everybody has a mobile. I've known members of the band to disappear sort of after the show and come back sort of, you know, the a next couple day. of hours later or, you know, just in time for bus call. Or, you know, so, so you know, they'll say, hey, Tom, what time's bus call? You've got 11.30. Cool, see you then. And, you know, uh, you've no idea uh, where they've gone. Um, got a fair idea. I mean, the fair idea would be getting laid? Yeah, basically. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, when this was written in the 70s, that's the background, wasn't it? Yeah. Groupies. But here's, here's the thing. We live in a world now where it's not ne- necessarily about people in the audience. You know, with Tinder and Grinder and wh- whatever the hell else. You can be in a town and you can be, you know, the embarrassing thing. <laughs> this is why you don't need to wear your laminate. <laughs> right, exactly. People can see that you're <laughs> it, it in the band anyway. Uh, a friend of mine was on was on uh, Tinder and um, uh, came across the artist on Tinder. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is brilliant. Did they go um, on a date? No, no. No, they didn't. And presumably sleeping with the artist, that's a no-no. Not if you want to keep your job. In the long term. But it happens, right? I mean, it must happen. You're all on tour together, like you said, yeah. in the band. And what about dating within the band? Is that a thing? People do it. Absolutely. And when it goes wrong, it's awful. It's horrendous. Yeah. Absolutely horrendous. And, and completely screws up the dynamic. Can you feel on stage when two of your bandmates have had a domestic? Can you yeah. feel when they're just not happy? There's a certain energy. There's a certain anger uh, flowing. <laughs> and, you know, maybe certain band introductions are shorter than others. Thou shalt not commit overload. Do not assume that friends and family can be accommodated on band transport. <laughs> a sort of slight extension of that it, to me is, you know, don't bring Yoko in, in, into the dressing room. <laughs> so it, it's one of the most annoying things to me. You know, band, band dressing rooms are, I'm not, I'm not saying they're sacred spaces, but they're spaces for the band to get changed. They're spaces for mm. the band to discuss what has just happened or what is about to happen or what happened the night before or just to sit and watch Netflix or whatever it is. Mm. There have been scenarios where people have bought their, you know, boyfriends and girlfriends in or husbands and wives, whatever, and you just sort of think, 
this is not cool. Five minutes, absolutely. Say hi, mm. you know. Especially uh, if it is Yoko. <laughs> yeah, especially I'd like Yoko. to meet her. I'd love to say yeah. hi. But touring is a real genuine mi- microcosm. It, it, it's a bubble. And if you burst that bubble slightly by bringing in the outside, it, that affects the dynamic too. Uh, right, thou shall not commit public depression. Now, this reeks of the 70s. <laughs> Try and keep your moans, groans, depression, personal problems, and pessimistic observations to yourself, as nobody wants to hear it. I imagine on the Kylie tour bus, there's a little bit more emotion than that. Isn't there? You're feeling a bit down, isn't it all right to say? <laughs> why, would they, why on Kylie's bus would there be more Well, you know, more it's, it's a very it. positive, inclusive touring brand, I would suggest. It's, it's a wonderful touring brand, you're right. I think in any scenario, the person that is the moaner is usually on their own. You need to have a space where you can talk about I'm missing home or whatever it may be. But then you've got you to realise what, what your job is, why you're there, and move forwards. And enjoy the fact that, in the best-case scenarios, you're being paid to travel the world. I mean, there's moaning and then there's depression, and on this leaflet they've lumped them together. Yeah, I think, I think that's a very 70s way of doing it. And that's a very 70s way of doing it. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I get what you're saying. You wouldn't complain that the bacon wasn't burnt enough at the breakfast buffet. Right. You're going to be in a different hotel tomorrow, keep your thoughts to yourself. Exactly. But, you exactly. know, if you're having a really tough time... Oh, you have to be able to speak to people. Who but- can you speak to? whomever you've made a, a, a bond with. You know, the one thing we don't have, and maybe tours should, is a tour psychologist. Mm. You know, most sports teams now travel with some kind of therapist. Mm. And, of course, historically and still to this day, that's where people self-medicate. You know, that's, that's where having loads of booze flying around mm. at your disposal is not necessarily a good thing. And I suppose a lot of the lead performers can be quite anxious as well, can't Definitely. they? I've, I've heard Debbie Harry talk about stage fright, for example, not wanting to go on stage. I mean, I guess there's the thing of actually if you start burdening other people in the band with your problems, you're going to actually bring that out in other people. Absolutely. Look, there is only one person who is indispensable, and that is the artist. Nobody, as is exemplified by me walking off stage and onto the tube, (laughs) nobody's come to see you. No one gives a toss, really. Actually, when you are in a foreign city, uh, it's quite exciting trying different foods, going to cool Mm. events and museums and parks and whatever, but actually... I find it quite lonely very often. If I'm mm-hmm. by myself, I mean, okay, you're there with a tour of people, but you might not want to hang out with them. Yeah, yeah. It can oddly be quite depressing Definitely. walking around a city by yourself. I mean, I'm very lucky, genuinely very lucky that over my, my time, I've never been in a band that I don't want to hang out with at least 90% of the people. But there are absolutely times when I'm touring and I'm seeing these incredible things and it maybe doesn't mean as much because I'm not necessarily with my family, for example. You know, you know, I'd love my kids to see this or I'd love my wife to see this. And there are people who their whole life has been on tour and they don't have a family as a consequence. It, it's, it's, it's a very odd thing. And what has it done to your relationship back home, actually, your wife and your kids when you're on tour? Our relationship has, has only really existed in the context of being on tour. My kids, um, it, it's getting harder as, as my daughter's getting older. It's getting harder to go away. This this last trip was tough. I think my wife understands what I do, um, and she's very proud of what I do. But, you know, having kids is relentless. You're basically saying, you go and be a single parent for two weeks, three mm. weeks, a month, two months, and I'll see you when I get back. Mm. So I can do the job that I would prefer to do, the right. one that I could get here. Exactly. I've been doing it for so long now. It's sort of all I, it's all I can do. And does that mean then one day the West End show would appeal 
like then you'd know you'd have a job every day well, at three know, hours in a theatre and you can get you can take the tube home. Yeah, but the West End show, it's a really odd one because that means you're out every evening. When the kids are home, I'm not. It's almost better to be on tour for three months mm. and then hope for three months. Mm. I, I, I think conversely, because it's not all doom and gloom, things like FaceTime and Skype has made touring far simpler than it ever was when I first started. I'll land in most European countries and get a text from my phone provider saying, good news, it's part of our roaming package, so I'm not paying any extra to call home or text or send a picture or or whatever. It just makes keeping in touch a lot easier. And that's, that's the bottom line. Keep the communication lines open and hopefully you'll be all right. And if you were publishing your own rules for touring now what commandment would you be adding to the list uh there's a couple so we 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 live in the in the era of social media and one thing that i think pisses me off more than any anything else you're on stage and ultimately now when you look at any audience there's going to be a phone recording you yeah so you have to deal with that but it's it's when a member of your own touring party posts a picture on their social media in which they look fantastic (laughs) but everybody else looks horrendous or maybe just more specifically i look horrendous right so that shall not tweet a selfie with tom in the background <laughs> right unknowingly <laughs> okay you know not holding my my, my stomach in or yeah. you know whatever it is like th- that that is just untenable for me. okay okay yeah. wow all right and what else would go on your list <laughs> don't expect to pass out in the back lounge and come out unscathed whether it be Sharpie on your face or clothes rearranged, ultimately, if you're going to pass out in what is the only public space uh, of the bus, expect some, something to happen to you. Ending on a sinister note again. <laughs> you seem to like the japes. <laughs> I think you've been on tour too long. <laughs> Way too long. Tom Meadows. You can find out more about him at tommeadows.co.uk and remember, if you do spot him on the Jubilee line, say hi. Still to come, our record of the week. And Alex Fox is up next after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Let's get ready to Foxhole. Alex Fox is here. How are you? I've had a very interesting week. I spent part of it locked in a room with Gail Porter. I don't know the correct response. Well, I mean, why, I suppose, is, is the, the one word response. Because I appeared a little while ago on a podcast called Hardcore Listing, where mm. various guests appear um, with hosts Chris and Stu and chat about lists they've made. So some one person might do uh, five greatest Batman comics or well, someone else. what they do? Yeah, yeah. I've seen them mentioned before on Twitter and I always thought it was something to do with, like, ships listing. No. In the breeze. <laughs> And I was like, is it a yachting podcast? What is that? And that would make a hit podcast series? Look, the secret of podcasting, Alex, is niche. 
It, well, it is not anything to do with a yacht. It's uh, people coming on and ma- basically making up lists of their five favourite things. Mm-hmm. There's five top TV dinners. I-, I did five weirdest sex toys, which is really not surprising in any way, shape or form. But Gail Porter was another of their previous guests and they invited a shipload <laughs> of guests to come and do one of those get locked in a room, solve puzzles in order to get out of the room quest oh, right. thingies. Okay. Time for our listener question of the week, sponsored as ever by mycondom.com who sell all sorts of condoms from all over the world online and people sometimes say well isn't that a little bit inconvenient I can just pop down to Tesco and then let's go but in fact if you place your order before three o'clock on a weekday they will send it out the very same day and you get free delivery on all orders over five pounds so there's not as much faff before you spaff May I congratulate you on that tagline? (laughs) Thank you. And our listener question is from Adam, who says, Alex, what is your view about men wearing women's panties? I'm a bit obsessed by it, but should I be open about it? I don't know what that means. Does he mean he's obsessed by wearing them, or he's obsessed by the thought of men wearing them, or he's closed about it, but he should be open? I think either way, Alex, we can assume that your view is that any men who wear women's panties should be deeply ashamed and never discuss it. Absolutely the opposite. Oh, Ollie. really? Oh, surprisingly. Strange. I mean, I I'm concluded to... you were a very close minded, uh, you know, homo skeptic. Before we start this discussion in earnest and really dive into the gusset here, mm. can I ask you on your opinion about the word panties? Do you think it's sexy or do you think it's a bit try hard? Because I was having this, I was having a natter about this with a few of my girlfriends and lots of them said panties is a word that men uniquely use when mm. they're trying to refer to women's lingerie in a saucy manner, but girls never actually say. Never thought about it before, but now you mention it, it has a frisson, but you see in a sort of strangely British saucy way, so does knickers. The one that doesn't for me is pants. Women talking about their pants isn't sexy, that's... You know, you're having a conversation about the laundry then. Whereas yeah. panties, it just has that slight edge of one day you might see my panties. I think because adding that suffix ease mm. for a lot of people connotes something small or childlike or cutesy. Almost babyish. Maybe, but it's also just that I associate it with those kind of late night premium rate phone line TV ads when I was a teenager and very easily influenced where, you know, it's a sexy thing. Call, Call me, me and I'll talk to you in my panties. Seven nine yeah. one six. Yeah. I don't think they gave out their mobile down. numbers, did they? <laughs> <laughs> it was no eight hundred number as far as I recall. Oh, eight hundred is no, free. It was oh eight nine eight, wasn't it? Oh I remember oh eight nine one oh, no. double seven double da, 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 seven da, 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 double seven. I do vaguely remember Ooh, that. No, yeah. the, one, the, one, <laughs> the one I remember was oh eight nine eight fifty fifty fifty. fifty. Yeah. God, about that one. I used to be fascinated by those ads really late at night. Mm. There was one called Friends in Space and it was about sexy aliens and me and my best friend at the time, Bethan, hi Bethan, we became a little bit fixated on this advert and what it meant by sexy friends in space but they were very expensive these phone lines. So, What we did s- it mean? Was it for people who wanted to fuck Alf? <laughs> One night we did ring it and it was incredibly disappointing. Yeah. It, was, it was nothing extra about this extraterrestrial See, that's experience. Like, I remember ringing one as well as a school child, not for a wank, but because I thought it would be funny. And it just was, it was just weird. Like it was just what it was actually was wasting your time. So you spent more money. Yeah. They just try and keep you on the yeah. line as long nothing as possible. Nothing happened for two minutes. No, we thought we were going to be beamed up into some sensual universe. Yeah. So our listener, Adam here, for a start, has asked, 
If you're obsessed by the idea of men wearing women's panties, is that a normal Let's thing? Let's assume he means, I'm a man and I want to wear women's underwear. Is that okay? That's probably what he means, isn't Well, it? it's very okay. Yeah. There are lots of reasons why a chap might want to wrap his schlong in a thong or any other type of what is traditionally seen as women's underwear. The first, probably most obvious, is that this is someone who wants to experiment with um, transvestism, with cross-dressing. They like the idea of playing with their gender in the way that they present themselves. One subset of that might be sissification. What's that? It's turning somebody into a bit of a sissy. It's treating them as though they're a wimp or that they're quite girly. Mm -hmm. And for some guys, this sort of humiliation is part of S&M play. So it's about putting them down, taking the piss out of them, uh, telling them how silly and and non-masculine they are in their little girly panties. Uh, For others, it's not about being made fun of. It's about being girly and adorable and sweet. and, And when you think about it, those are qualities that lots of men would love to be adored and cherished and thought of as absolutely irresistibly cute in that way but that isn't something that traditionally is part of a mainstream masculine outlook um another reason that some people are intrigued by women's pants are that as a younger person panties thongs lace lingerie was very firmly planted in their minds as a sexual thing. This is something that's worn during sex. And for some people, the lines between uh, that's something that women wear to feel Mm. sexy versus that's something that's sexy in general, Mm. and that might be something that's sexy for me to wear, can become quite blurred. And to me, that makes perfect sense, because if you think about it, um, lots of people like to the ritual of getting dressed up for sex, of presenting themselves to their partner, wearing something that they specially selected to titillate and turn on their lover. But there aren't so many choices for men to do that. Mm. There aren't so many costumes, if you will. There's no real equivalent of lingerie for men. Okay, so let's say that, yes, Adam, if you are interested in wearing women's underwear, you should be more open about it, you know, to the selected group of people that you'd like to share that information with. Um, What are ways of introducing this subject, perhaps to a partner? My number one recommendation here, if at all possible, would be book tickets for you and your partner to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. (laughs) I cannot tell you how many men have, have come to me and said, Alex... I found it such an accessible way to introduce my girlfriend to the fact that I'm into wearing lingerie or cross-dressing or wearing panties than dressing up as Frankenfurter to go and see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's a very acceptable costume for that specific context. It's like dressing up as Buzz Lightyear, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, and it does mean that it provides a very easy, natural way of starting a conversation that you may have uh, been taking um, buzz light years to uh, to actually come up with in any other circumstance. Yeah, and, and possibly have the conversation in the last half hour of the film where really it gets bullshit. I mean, the first hour is classic, <laughs> isn't it? And then no one remembers what happens the last half an hour of the Rocky Horror. Either the theatre show or the film descends into complete madness, doesn't it? Well, With unmemorable lo- music. Lots of people find that once they're finished doing the, the time warp, uh, they bugger off home and have one of the most memorable sexual yeah. experiences of their lives. I do acknowledge, though, that that isn't an option that's going to be available for lots of people. However, role play is. Um, you could perhaps in a jokey fashion, maybe, dress up as a French maid to bring your partner breakfast in bed. Or well, yeah, but some them, warning, you know. Alex. 
I really think it's important to say I'm, I want to prepare you for how I'm going to be dressed when I come back to I mean I think for most women if their partner their straight male partner walked in the room wearing their underwear and dressed as a French maid that might freak them out Yes, perhaps. They might not be ready to say, oh, that's really sexy, what a turn on. But what they might be ready to say is, oh, that's funny and you're amusing me. And on the flip side, you actually look pretty hot. Mm. Maybe I'm being a little naive here in framing this as, you know, this kind of jokey approach as one that will always go down well. Well, I think think I look very hot in my wife's underwear, so I think it's it's reasonable. Well, the reason I bring it up is because a previous partner did put a pair of my pants on sort of for a joke. Mm. And after I giggled, I was surprised by how hot I found that scenario. It wasn't something that would have occurred to me to ask him to do. (laughs) I'm not sure what his motivations were. He might have just been titting around Mm. or there may have been more of an undercurrent of desire there for Mm. him. He might have been wanting to start a conversation. Um, But the contrast of his, uh, this particular partner was quite a gym-honed guy, but he was still fairly slim, so my knickers fit him, which is something we'll get onto in a a minute because a few few in your partner are very different sizes, then just uh, pinching a pair of her pants from the drawer might not be an option. These were ones that tied at the side with ribbons, so there was a little mm. there was a little bit of leeway in the in the hip region there. But um, the contrast of this very traditionally feminine piece of kit on his very fit body was it really surprised me how hot I found it. So it started off as a joke, and it ended up being magma hot. Okay, and um, practically then, let's get on to that. Are there special pants Adam should be buying? Well, for lots of men, part of the turn-on is the fact that the underwear they're wearing is specifically intended for women. So buying something that's built for men but that looks feminine isn't going to have the same psychological effect upon them. However, uh, if you're a guy who likes the idea of wearing satin or silk or or, um, some kind of... uh, some kind of lacy affair but genuinely finds that um, women's underwear stuff that's cut for a very different body type is too uncomfortable a lot of men say that it chafes around the thighs then there are a number of companies who specifically build and and, and make um, frilly lacy bits and bobs for people with todgers and they are um, there's one called xdress.co.uk. There's obviously a play on cross-dress there. And they do do things like pairs of tights and bras as well. Um, but they've been making lingerie for lads for around two decades now. Uh, and there's lots and lots to choose from there. And increasingly, I've found that when I go to trade shows, where I'm looking around at what new vibrators are going to be on the market and uh, what new lubes we're all going to be lathering over our lower regions, there is lots more underwear for gents that is pushing the mm. conventions that, that, we, that we're used to. A lot of this is aimed at the gay market. And if you are looking for something maybe that's like a thong and feminine, I guess, in that way, but you still, you'd still you rather have something a little bit more sporty or you, you don't, you're looking for a, a midway point between those old baggy boxer shorts and top of the range Coco de Mer, La Perla thong that your your lady might wear, then check out some gay stores. They've got something that's got a li- little bit more glitter around shitter. <laughs> Don't dream it, be it. 
Two quick notes if you're going to wrap your scrotes in lacy underwear. The first one, be prepared to sit down with a cuppa after whatever happens in your sexual experience and have an in-depth conversation about this with your partner because they may well have concerns about you know whether this has greater implications for your gender identity, whether it means that you're questioning your sexuality. It's something really that you're going to need to brew up and chat about in depth afterwards. And the second thing I'd really like to recommend is if you're a man with a female partner who wants to wear feminine underwear do now and again buy lingerie for your lady that is just for her this will help to reassure mm. her that you also love the way she looks in it and that your appreciation your of her in. yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> that your appreciation of her body and the way that she looks in lingerie hasn't been completely subsumed by your own desire to wear it yourself <laughs> uh, Alex thank you if you have a question for next week's Foxhole you need to go to our website monmanwith2ends.co.uk and click on feedback and if you're going to get bon- diggy you may well need a condom diggy and the best place to get those is mycondom.com where if you use the code foxhole you can get 15% of everything on the site well that is nearly it for this week's modern man but there is just time to appoint a new ambassador it's Eileen in Dumfries and Galloway who says Ollie I started listening to you in July last year and have finally caught up I look forward to the show every week so thought it was about time I bought you all a drink I've subscribed for a year of beer. Uh, thank you, Eileen. I now pronounce you Manbassador for all the western southern uplands of Scotland. Uh, there's a lot of castles there. Please do feel free to allocate us a castle. Uh, music now, and our theme is by Django Django. Thank you, chaps. And our record of the week is this by Elevator, an experimental pop band from Hamilton, Ontario. The track's called Voices, and they're on tour now. I've been Ollie Mann, the producer Matt Hill. And we'll see you next Tuesday. We watch the lights disappear by the water till no one else remains. Everything was open. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.